Michael. My name is Rania Odeymat, and I'm a creative in Accra. With me today is James Finney, also known as Father Finney of the congregation, the best, the best a man can get. I met James while doing the Broadcast Yourself course with London Real. For eight weeks, and along with other fellow learners, we went through the process of carrying and birthing our baby podcasting selves. James stood out to me for many reasons. His intuitive openness to the creative process, his emotional honesty and care towards all our fellow members, his willingness to be vulnerable and to embrace other people's vulnerabilities, as well as his healing humor and sheer outside of the boxedness. In such a relatively short time, he's come to mean a lot to me. James, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, wow, no, thank you. And thank you for that fantastic intro. I've, uh, I've never had such an in-depth welcome. That's brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Given the hat, by the way. Oh, thank you. I knew you liked it. So I'm like, you know, let, let me make him smile. <laughs> so yes, James. Brilliant outfit. When, when did you first become aware of your creative side? Mm, um, my, I run on snap answers. So the first answer that comes to mind, I get a mental image picture of being under my parents' dining table, which was a huge round table that could seat about eight or 10 people. But beneath it was a labyrinth of wood. So I could nest in there and go into various sections of it. And I turned it into a house. So that's probably my first creative project. Um, that, I don't know what age I was, but um, I don't think language had fully evolved to me yet. But I, I love being under that table. I don't know why. I love big cloths, extra sheets over it to make it a complete house in itself. Uh, I don't know if that was a good thing or not, but that was where it started. And what about, uh, for me, the first thing I think about is the symbolism of a house. You know, can, do you have any insights about that? What made you want to build a house of all things? <laughs> I've never had that thing. Maybe it was a representation of some sort of prison, uh, a prior life thing that I was continuing my sentence. I don't know. Um, maybe it was I had to isolate myself from normality. Maybe we could go into that. I don't know. Um, but I did find it a great place. I remember being in there, and no, actually, language must have been developed because I, I remember getting big joke books that were like that thick. And they had the sort of jokes that your dad would tell. But when you're that young, they're quite <laughs> funny. And I remember reading thousands and thousands of jokes under that table. There's no under one there the with table. Me. <laughs> yeah, other than a dog and a few teddy bears. So, what did that make you feel like? Why, why was. Um... Why jokes and not something else? I don't know. I don't know whether the joke, I don't think the joke books were my choice. I think they were gifts to me, maybe a Christmas or birthday. I don't think I requested with my mum and dad, may I have a joke book? <laughs> I recall all, all, all I wanted when I was a kid was Lego. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh. That was my big thing. I just loved Lego. And you still play Lego? <laughs> <laughs> my daughter does. Um, I have a slight odd obsession. I say that. I look in the corner room now and there's, there's Lego thrown in the corner of the room I haven't picked up from the last time she was here. Um, I have a consideration that it all has to be kept in the same kit. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas my daughter is very, ah, mix it all up. Uh, it, it makes me break out in a cold sweat. I remember when my <laughs> mum did it to mine, she bought a huge tub and I had all these Lego sets and she just threw them all in one tub. And to me, life was ruined then because to make <laughs> something again would take hundreds of hours of just searching and searching and searching. And uh, yeah, I think that's a, a differential sort of a differential between myself and my daughter. Whereas I would have separate tubs for all each one. She herself, nah, just mix it all up. Let's just go with it. That, that's very interesting, you know, because when we were talking about your creative process, you mentioned spontaneity and that mm. spontaneity drives you, you know. And now you're talking about this um, instinct you have or let's say drive to, to create order or that things mm. being out of order makes you feel unstable. So how do you... You know, how do you understand the two? Like, you want order, and yet you want to be spontaneous at the same time. Yeah, um, it's it's an. I've never been posed that question nor considered it. It's quite a seesaw. You're right. Um, why would that be? I like. I suppose that's an element of control. I'm still in control of it. That kit, that that little domain or whatever, I have control of that spontaneity i have control of it no one scripted or directed or told me what to do so maybe maybe on the deep psychology of things when people are being spontaneous what they really are being is a control freak because that's the best way to control by not letting anyone else have any leeway i don't know <laughs> well that's the first time i've i've heard it put in this way because you know people try to talk about spontaneity as the opposite of controlled freakiness, let's say. And then you're here saying, yeah. oh, it's a very big symptom of, of being a controlled freak. Um, so why then, why is, ah. do you perceive the other to be a threat or anything that they can do to affect your moment, let's say? Mm. Um, I've never seen it as a threat but it might impinge on the potential of something. I think a lot of artists or creative people work alone on their particular skill set and the way they do things. Um, you could say in regards to a band, now they're individuals, but they're, they're masters of their own instrument and their domain, and they can be unique and creative on that front. They work as a group, but towards something else. It's not like the drummer's controlling the guitarist or the guitarist controlling the singer. They all have their own domains and they sort of respect their boundaries in that regard. So I suppose in that way, being a creative person, you, you are still a control freak of, of what you are creating. Um, and when someone tries to control it or have input, it can be quite an offensive, uh, boundary-breaking thing, can't it? I, I remember once a man was playing a guitar and I just put my finger on his guitar because it was out of tune and he went absolutely berserk at me. I've never done it again. <laughs> yes, uh, yes and no. I think I think you, <laughs> you you're right in the sense that there is that tendency amongst creative. But then again, I think sometimes we cheat ourselves because the experience of working as a team, you know, like the I've been in bands and in rehearsals where because we're talking about music, let's say, 
um, everybody is working. You know how the organs, like the organs of the body, and one affects the other? Yes. And if one flounders, mm -hmm. then it makes the other strain or, or yeah. you know, it changes the mood or the frequency, let's say. And, and in many creative instances, I found the openness to be collaborative and the openness to taking that risk of trusting other creatives to create something together can yeah. give you amazing results. Yes, not exactly the results you planned for, not no. exactly what you, you imagine, but very fulfilling. Have you ever tried doing that? As in with a group? Yeah. Um, only performance-wise, but yet again, those were loosely scripted. Or if other members of the cast would be 100% rigid with the script and they would not deviate in any way, I myself would be pretty loose with it. As long as the start word and the end word for their cues was in the right place and the right word, everything else in the middle doesn't matter to me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So would you agree with, with James Brown, for example, who said... Um, I don't give a... That's a censor, censored word, yeah. you know? Whether it's right or wrong, what does it make me feel like, you know? Yeah, does this absolutely. something that resonates with you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I love, like, when you can watch jazz bands. The weird thing about jazz music is you can't tell when they've made a mistake anyway because it's such a, a discordant thing at times. So I think they've got creative space to make errors anyway in that subject of jazz probably offending jazz musicians by saying that <laughs> but um yeah I, I like the way that they work things and i think a lot of the really creative music is uh, x amount of individuals pushing and contracting together but do you know what i mean they're not directly controlling each other uh, whereas i've yeah. seen bands when i've worked in as a sound engineer record labels send bands to the studio and the producer utterly kills the magic and the the creativeness by saying no you're going to do it like this you have to do this i want you to do that and it absolutely ruins the vibe and the atmosphere of it yeah you're right you're right so um how would you describe your experience on this um course the the broadcasters yourself course in terms of personal growth transformation going through that creative process um it was despite its apparent simplicity and required tasks and the way it's laid out it did make a huge paradigm shift in waking me up to what i could be or what i want to do uh, i spent most of my life uh, either not knowing what i want to be or do and then starting to worry more and more in regards to i'm getting less and less time available to pursue what i want to do so But once on it, I realized that I really do enjoy it. I love speaking with people. I love meeting people. You know, three months ago, I would never have imagined having a conversation with someone like yourself in a far distant nation. That's That would have been beyond me. Um, I've met some incredible people. And I think also, not just the course and the material itself, but the group and the alignment of purpose and the sheer creativity from all that purpose is been well it has been pretty mind-blowing to be honest and I'm, I've absolutely loved it and I'm loved doing what I'm doing in the evenings now instead of 
whatever I did before, which I don't remember, but now I'm doing podcasts and I'm speaking to people instead in the evenings. And it's, it's great. I'm, I'm really happy with it. So would you say it has had a transformative effect on your life, on your health, on the, a healing effect? Uh, I don't know about health, um, but in regards to me, what would it have really done? It's just a purpose. You need a purpose, which if you're into chaos, that's great. But if you're not, which most of us aren't, because I feel deep down all humans as a fundamental thing need to bring order in some regard to things. So in regards to my life, which was in chaos, this has brought an order due to its purpose. And pursuing that purpose on a creative bent, be it even just the pictures I have to draw for my little covers, um, posing the questions in a humorous way, or finding humor in things that are dark or shouldn't be humorous, has been a great um, waking up and sort of flexing of my mental muscle, as it were. It's a good thing you're bringing up your little drawings because I find them constantly fascinating. If somebody, <laughs> yeah, if somebody had told me two months ago or three months ago that I would enjoy uh, listening to a podcast made for middle-aged British males, I would have said, you're absolutely nuts. I couldn't have imagined <laughs> it. And trust me, I, I mean, have a big imagination. But apart from the content and how authentic you are, and uh, how intuitively you love to relate to people. I, there's a contrast that constantly fascinates me, which is the contrast between your content, okay, which is that of a middle-aged male, yeah. uh, a funny one, a great one, but, and the drawings, which seem to me to be um, made by, let's say, your inner child. Or, or those sticks and circles and what they say. And yet they both work together. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Um, I think the main purpose I had with the pictures, I didn't want to get too complex. I don't want to waste time on it. Now, you know, companies can spend thousands upon thousands of pounds branding. And then they have that horrible thing, the committee meeting where everything's designed by committee. <laughs> I personally think no great thing has ever come out of a committee. Never. It's always <laughs> been the genus from one person, from an individual. Now, I'm not the greatest artiste in regards to drawing. I can certainly claim to that. But I know I've got a time constraint and I want to keep it simple. And that's what I wish to do as a whole ethos is I want to keep it simple. I could have deep, dark conversations with people using great words and great sentences but it won't mean anything to my audience and sometimes it won't mean anything to me so what would be the point of doing that so I want to keep it all as simple as possible whilst conveying the great complexities of life in the most simplest way we can because at the end of the day in life I personally find you've always got to go for the most senior datum in life you've got to boil away all the mush and all the noise and find the thing above it which is most key and that's what I aim for. I don't want to get into all these. Let's take for granted the subjects of psychology or psychiatry. There's hundreds of phenomena and conditions. And many of them can be just summed up by the fact of, okay, the person doesn't have any purpose. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Um, it could be summed up by the fact of, okay, that person 
had an upset with a person. It doesn't mean they've got a condition and you've got all these complexities. It's just a simple event or something simple occurred that just changed the direction of their life. And I just try to keep it simple that way, really. And I, 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 You could say I'm being lazy, and it's also a bit of a to the corporate world and all the marketing that goes on as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wish, you know, yeah, I think you're right in the sense that, yes, it's, it's about two perspectives. Things are always, it's a paradox, right? They are as simple as you want them to be and as complex as you want them to be. And it depends what you need in that moment. It depends, as you said, about your audience, um, your own personal process, what you want to do with it. I guess all of that affects. Um, and do you think the outcome? And do you think uh, so far with your podcast, you've gotten what you've needed, or you've you've you know what you you your purpose? You're achieving your purpose. I've begun on that route. Um, I've by no means achieved it. It's like at the moment I'm focusing just on the little things of trying not to say erm too much. I've noticed (laughs) I'm laughing probably too much as well. I'm finding great humor in things that people are saying. I'm thinking maybe I should just refrain a little bit just to give a bit more space there. But I'm spontaneous. And when I hear someone say something funny, I do react to it. And I think it's a magical thing when they are funny, when even when they're not trying to be. Mm-hmm. But um, am I on that route or have I, I've not, yeah, I've got a long way to go, but I have sort of become aware in, in the months of doing this that, yeah, I would like to be a really great interviewer. I would like to get wonderful moments out of great people. And I would like to introduce the masses per se, not that such a thing exists, introduce them to great minds that are out there. And I think a lot of people have been whittled down because of the way the media is that it's certain people you go to as an example or how to be in life when actually there are a tiny tiny minority who are heavily filtered and beyond that curtain there's actually millions of great and able people that you should really know and meet uh, you don't have much time in life so you need to crack on and meet those people and take a little bit from each of them which is also my purpose in my broadcast is that I I don't expect anyone to make a U-turn in life. I won't. It'll just be gradual, little, subtle things. You could read one book and it could change your life, but I expect you're going to have better improvements by reading 20 or 30 books. That's a very good point. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. I mean, you know, we we don't turn out the way we were, we are because of one event in most cases. It's it's it happens organically over time and in response to many things and so it makes sense to me the healthiest way of of changing or transforming is also to do it um organically and through a process and not necessarily as a hmm magic wand go you're a frog now yeah yeah you know or yeah, a prince or a woman <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think uh, disney has a lot to answer for in that regard uh they're naughty naughty people Mm-hmm. But but then again, you I don't know, think I'll be working for Disney with my drawings. <laughs> I don't think Disney is is asking any one of us, you know, to come <laughs> join join them. But no. I think you know it's in on on the one hand, yeah, it's okay to say, well, Disney did this to us. You know, we're the victims of Disney or of um, uh, uh, let's say you know fairy tales and stuff like that. But then again. As human beings, we love that and we've been consuming that and we want to buy into that myth 
or that fakeness. And so we carry a lot of that responsibility. What do you think is the reason behind that? What makes us, you know, give power? Because ultimately we give power to this sort of myth-making. Oh, we could go into that for, it's a big rabbit hole and it's got no ladder in it as well to get out. That, um, I think in regards to like the big companies and the big movie things, they've hijacked a known workable formula and they recycle that formula. And they they probably have many a guru in those companies that study the psychologies. It's not just cartoons and creative people. There is an agenda-driven methodology within it. the way the characters are drawn, the way they do the cl- everything is there. But fundamentally, which was first, the chicken or the egg? Was it? Did we surrender to? to I don't know how long we've been doing this historically in regards to it. I know fairy tales, how far back you can go on that. But we all love a victor story. Um, oddly enough, I personally like it when the the hero doesn't win. I, I think that makes a great ending. But then I I prefer the different ways to go. Um, I honestly don't know. I don't know why there is an obsession with it. I personally find a repulsion to it, but I don't know why the the main core of humanity uh, has a great drawing to it. I don't know. Is it? Did you find that repulsion early on, or is it something yeah. that you early on, as as mm. far back as you can remember? Yeah, <laughs> mm. there's a lot of wow. things I found an immediate repulsion to. Um, art the way it was taught, the way it was done, mm-hmm. TV programs. Mm-hmm. I, I have, uh, and maybe it's a curse, but I, f- I spot fake and it instantly hits me as something being fake and I cannot get, get comfortable with it. As soon as I just see it, as it exposes or shows its mask, it's just like, not interested. I don't care for it. And uh, that might've cost me a lot of friendships. It certainly cost me a lot of income in jobs and careers but I can't tolerate it. I could be completely wrong. Maybe they were good people, but I just get this instant thing that it's fake. Back away from it. How did you survive school and the educational system? <laughs> um, as, a, as a junior, uh, as a child up to the age of 11, I loved it because in some way it was showing off because I was able to do it. The math, the science, the writing, that was all great. I loved it. And then for some reason, I switched off to it when I went to high school and I had no interest in it and nothing but resentment and hatred towards it. I don't know whether that's because of the teachers. I don't know whether because of the methods. I don't know because of chemicals. I have no idea. But personally, everything went completely U-turn at that point and I hated the whole system as a, as a result of whatever occurred. And I've got no trust or confidence in it. And I've seen a lot of great artistic or capable people. Uh, you can't, I don't believe you can teach an artistic quality. You can teach technique and yeah. methods and ways of viewing it, but you can't enforce art. You can't grade somebody's art on your opinion. I, I just think that's an absurd thing. And so many thousands of children are, are crushed just by one person's opinion, mainly I find by people who failed in the subject themselves. <laughs> Stay away from critics. <laughs> or maybe decide to, to consider critics from a completely different perspective. Yes, I think, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword because we're trained to, um, to listen to critics. 
from a young age, we're criticized and we're graded. Mm. And error and mistakes are stigmatized in a way, subconsciously, you know. But then again, um, we have the choice as adults to change how we look at it. A criticism does not have to define you. It doesn't define who yeah. you are. But our you children know, told that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know whether children are told that. You find that out later in life when you're reading a book or you're, you're meeting people. But by then, you've, you've been crushed a good while. Uh, that's my concern. I, th- I think children should be given this sort of data and this sort of advice as soon as they can speak. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I think our educational systems have a lot to answer for and should be, you know, doing a better job of of preparing children to deal with the needs of of this day and age. And uh, not only yeah. when it comes to their well being, when it comes to the type of skills and thinking. Uh, and self-belief mm. that will help them um, flourish and achieve their potential. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting time going forward because there's a lot of children who've missed education due to recent times, but that might be a good thing for creativity. The odd thing, yes, it, the, the Graconian ways have killed the artistic community, so to speak, for the time mm. being. But there's going to be such a tidal wave of creativity because there's a lot of children that are sort of gradually escaping the system right now that can only help their creativity which i think would be great yeah and it also depends i think on the on the family home or the environment they're in whether that environment yes. is actually feeding encouraging their creativity or yeah not because again it's not only the schools right it's society oh, yeah. and how we look at creatives and and creativity so yeah. Um, so yeah, I love the, the subject of uh, on uh, on spontaneity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's weird that my most spontaneous times have been away from the school, in my room, in my head. Um, there's a lot of spontaneity goes on there. I don't know whether that was the trigger, just being on my own in a space, doing whatever. Um, I used to mock up games. I, I would actually mock up the other contestants. So I don't know whether that's early schizophrenia, but I could then. You know, you try and play a game, but you're competing against yourself, sort of like a hand-determined game, which is quite a high-up sort of thing. That's almost like a godlike status. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I was doing that a lot, so that might not have. I don't know whether that was healthy or not in regards to creativity. I would say, I would say it's, um, it's very healthy. I mean, again, it depends what you do with it, right? Because there's nothing that is either healthy or not. There, there are always two sides of of the same coin you can't have one without the other yes as a creative it's very important for you uh, the more unlimited you are inside your your mind the more open you are to accepting um, many 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 aspects to yourself and many many possibilities of the self with uh the shadows mm. not only the light but also the shadows and the unwanted uh, aspects the more you're open to to growing as a creative. But then again, you know, how we deal with that, of course, there are healthy ways, there are unhealthy ways. Anything that has the capacity to to build and to make us grow also has the capacity Mm. to destroy us or to ruin things. Oh yeah. So it's not it's not an either or kind of thing. I think it's it's there's no right uh, or wrong, definitely. Yes, how we we approach it and how we make it work for us 
I think. But yeah, I mean, if you limit yourself to one persona mm. or one ego or one ID or one way of looking at the world, then, I mean, you're not going to come up with anything creative. You're not going to change anything. You're you're not going to innovate. No, you'll be stuffed. Mm-hmm. No. So <laughs> I, I would, uh, what would you suggest to me in regards to uh, creativeness on the, on the subject of humor? Because I'm fascinated. What I find interesting on the field of humor, because I've actually started investigating it over the last few weeks. I'm going really deep into very line, the subject of humor, because you often find that... Um, the great minds of the comedy world being stuff that most people don't see. And that that's what I've been burdened with most of my life is I see the stupidity of the world. I, I find the whole predominant structure of the world absolutely nuts and, and funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the downside is when you feel like you're the only one seeing it, it becomes a bit of a dangerous and lonely place. So, uh, yeah, I'd be intrigued to know what sort of advice you would give a creative to uh, not go too dark as you were talking about the shadows. How would you stay in balance? I think by by keeping your connection to your audience, which you, you have a facility with, an intuitive you know, sense of. I think humor yeah. is uh, amazing. I've, I've experienced it with you, with others. You know, one of the things I, I love to do is, is going to improv comedy shows and two comedy shows as well. And uh, it's just like any creative medium, whether your medium is paints or wood or metal or, you know, and and humor is a creative medium, but it's also a healing medium because you you have books like Broken Open, for example, by Elizabeth Lesser, who says, uh, we're all idiots. If, if you really look deeply, we do mad things, things that really logically oh, make yeah. no sense. You know? And so I think, I think yeah, people queuing. really... Why do we queue? Yeah. I hate it. People connect, people connect to that on a deep level. But it's just about uh, having that awareness and keeping that link with the person in front of you. You know, when you're aware of their emotions, when you're aware, it gives you that intuitive sense of how to, whether to push or not, what to go for or not. And sometimes it's great to uh, uh, go a little bit further than the other person expects, but then not when it's hurting them or they feel bullied or, you know, you it, it takes you too far away from where you are. I guess, and it's like with every medium, it's it's through practice. You know how they say genius is is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. You don't just pick up a paintbrush and start painting and and get your masterpiece. It's no. it's mostly just familiarizing with yourself enough. Some people will tell you some books will tell you 10,000 hours, others will tell you, you know, a specific number mm. of years. And I think, yes, there's a range, there's a spectrum, but again, it doesn't exactly apply to everybody because the nature of human intelligence is dynamic. And sometimes being creative in other fields can help you be creative faster in a new, with a new medium, you know? So Mm. it's, uh, but I would say, just keep practicing it, keep learning about it, but keep practicing it. And always remember that with humor, Every performance, every art is about connection. It's about being authentic. The more authentic you are, the more fresh and original you are, like, you know, from your own uh, self, 
as unique as your own experience, world perspective, brain wiring, everything makes you. And the more in tune you are, ultimately, every art is about, you know, uh, that feeling, transmitting that feeling to the viewer or the listener and, and then letting it go and having a mm. life of its own. I don't know if that's, that's helpful at, at this stage, but it's just work with your medium, work with your medium until you don't have to question it, until it becomes second nature and yeah. open yourself up to that moment. Because in that moment, you know how they talk about planning? You plan as an artist, you plan, but then when you get in front of your canvas or in front of your audience, let's say as, as uh, an mm. interviewer or uh you can't be thinking about that. That's forgotten. You throw it away and you let that moment guide you and yeah. that chemistry guide you. And mm. you develop it with yeah. time. Absolutely. Yeah, I've practiced. Um, I've used humor a lot in conversations. So I suppose in my, in my podcast, it's a natural thing for me to do. I don't have to focus on it. Yeah. I'm just more intrigued now about doing other comedy stuff as well. But um, I will stick to what I'm, I'm able to do, and that's slipping it into um, conversations. Like I've many a time, I've I've been in relationships and been with people, and they're shocked by the way I introduce myself to strangers, and I will just literally drop a joke straight at the beginning. They don't know me at all; I don't know them. But I I have no consideration on just making light of whatever's occurring. And other people will be like, "You shouldn't do that." Oh, oh, I don't know either. I'd have done that. Like that's correct. You wouldn't have done that, but I did. Because that's and how, what I do. How has it been received in your experience? I don't believe it's ever gone wrong. <laughs> it's generally so there gone, you go. Yeah, it's an intuition I have. I, I know where I can push it and when I can. I, I think it's like my ability to judge fake. There's something I perceive prior to the verbalization. Mm-hmm. I think if you're at a if you're at a high enough operating level, there's more than your five senses. You oh, can yeah. pick up things, you know, when you walk into a room, you know, the atmosphere, you know, what's being said. And it's the same when you meet people. I, I get an instant rapport with people. Like when I saw yourself, what the, the first video you did, it was just like instantly. Wow. I really like that person. She's brilliant. Every other person I've seen in the broadcast, community, there's been people I've instantly drawn to. And then eight weeks later, there's people are like, where the hell have you been? I've never seen you before. And, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird thing I have. So maybe that's a honed skill I'm not aware of that I'm actually using as part of my tools for having a, a humorous conversation with people. But oddly enough, in these interviews, when I'm a guest, I appear quite serious. So I do apologize for whatever reason. <laughs> every interview, people have gone, Oh, I thought you'd be really jokey and whatnot, but you're quite <laughs> serious. I'm like, I don't know what happens. I don't know why. You know why? No, I expected it. I expected it because you care so much. You're someone who has a huge heart yes. and who's very caring. And I think, I think the way I've, I've perceived you, you know, you care so much about not letting the other person down. And I guess you're coming already mm. with the idea that I want to bring something of value. And, and maybe yes. that's, you know, that's how I, I, I've seen you. That's how I understand it. And, and it's, it's very touching. It's very moving because as you said, I agree that, you know, you, you have this instinct, but on my part, I was prepared to take you however you came, you you know, with the humor, without, you know, (laughs) but, but yeah. And, and it's so interesting 
but I actually expected that. Oh, good. Okay, good. That's all right then. Uh, but yeah, no, I always, I don't think there should be ever be a a conversation without purpose. It's a huge switch off for me in general life. When uh, a classic thing being like, if I go, if I meet my dad or meet the family, you can guarantee all the males sort of gravitate and they start talking about the route they took and how long it took and road work. <laughs> and I'm immediately like, I'm not interested. This is just, this is just pointless, pointless conversation. Um, whereas I immediately, I'm quite happy to have a deep conversation with strangers anywhere. The post, uh, I've become friends with the postman because I only have like a 30 second window to have a conversation with him. So I have to get into that thing. And we've built a report and we're friends now. And that will carry on going with anyone I meet on a repetitive basis. I always take that opportunity. Um, I'm a nuisance for people when they're walking down the street uh, in the UK. I don't know whether it's over, over in your mm-hmm. nation there. You walk down the street here, people won't look at you. They look at the floor. So you say hello <laughs> and they don't say anything. Or even if they're looking straight at you and you go, hello, and they don't do anything. I will, every time I see that person, I will persist and persist. I'm just going, hello. Uh, but most of the time I end up speaking to their, their pets. I talk to a lot of dogs. I see a lot of people walking down the street with their dog. and I'll just ignore them because they're a lost cause. But the dog, the dog has genuine interest. So I'll just say, hello, to the dog. Because the dog actually acknowledges you, whereas they wouldn't. So there you go. <laughs> I've always, you know, there you go again. I've always found this uh, obsession when, when ever visit London, you know, with with the weather. People always asking each other about the weather, and it's fascinating. But I mean, we have it in all cultures. These mad things that you were talking about that we do that we consider yeah. normal as part of, of social relations. That when you think about them are not normal at all no, like absolutely bonkers oh. it's, it's a, a ridiculous circuit that wastes probably if you were to total it up you've probably or we have, as people have probably wasted many hundreds of hours of our lives talking about inane irrelevant stuff what could we have learned in that time it's um it can be frustrating really but also funny <laughs> yeah and so there you go that's where you get your humor from otherwise yeah, you wouldn't have <laughs> which we're all like guilty of i guess in one way or another yeah i've i have become quite rude in that regard though i do sort of go yeah not interested um or i will just deliberately change the subject just for the sake of saving my own life's purpose because i'm i'm being rude by then faking interest um yeah it's it's a skill you've got to pick up like i i know someone who who greets me all the time with bad news. You know, oh, have you heard about the blah, blah, blah? And I'm, just, oh, and I'm like, how many times do I need to tell you? I don't have a TV. I don't watch the TV. I don't watch the news. What? How many times do we have to go over this? But I can, I can rest assured in the next few days, I will be asked about some events on the news that I have no idea about, and I'll have to go through it again and go, I don't watch the news. I'm sorry. Let's talk about <laughs> something else. I haven't got any good news. so what would you like to talk about let's say your ideal like conversation opener what would it be um do you like my socks (laughs) just just run people go i've got these shoes do you think they look a bit odd and then you can all closely inspect the shoes and go nope they look perfectly balanced to me i think that's a better start than what route did you take Um, or when someone comes in through the door and they go where have you just been and then they can start talking about whatever they've just been doing as opposed to the 
autonomous route that they've taken, which is the same route that they take every week to your house or whatever. <laughs> Never politics, though. Don't get into that, other than the fact that it's stupid. <laughs> oh, politics, politics. If you were a politician, what question, what question would you ask your people today? Why? That would be it. Why? What do you expect me to do? Do you honestly expect me as an MP to know every single thing known to mankind and have an answer for every single thing known to mankind and be able to do all that in 168 hours in a week? That's nuts. That's insane. Don't expect it of me. In fact, don't expect anything. That's what I would say as an MP. Um, I wouldn't get involved in it because it's it's a... It's like sleeping with adders, really. It's quite a dangerous game. <laughs> I, I wouldn't get into it. I think the adders would be offended. I have been motivated at times to think that maybe I should run as an independent, but <laughs> yeah, they would be, yes. Um, what would you call would your party? to me anyway or anyone else? What would I call it? I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't go cliched or call it anything like liberated or anything like that. I would just call it giggles. <laughs> That would be it, just giggles. Would the right honourable member of giggles please stand? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that, that would be fun. Um, I don't, I would just offend too many people. I would have a great time, but I probably would be barred pretty quick. Mm. Um, it, it's an insane thing to do because, yeah, the whole system is like you vote someone to represent you, but then they don't represent you. It, it's, um, I, I, don't, I don't get the whole point of it. And when people say it's important to vote, it might be more important not to vote. Because if no one voted, what would happen? That'd be great. <laughs> not oh. a single vote cast. Uh, hmm. Yeah. I'd like and to be that's... Guy Fawkes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'd, love, I, I'd love to do that. Uh, not that I'm condoning any acts of that sort uh, for legal reasons, obviously. Um, what I mean by that is I'd, I'd just love to see the whole thing fall apart, really, in that regard. Um, because it, it is it is nuttiness as its finest, but it's also nuttiness at its most dangerous. It's not good, humorous thing. It's actually horribly destructive. Um, but it is good comedy material. But I would rather it not be there in the first place. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about our leaders really being a reflection of us or a mirror of us it's one of those chicken and the egg things again isn't it have they been chosen put there because that's what we want to see um or is it a case of yeah it, it's all the figureheads that we see in the world are not the influencers or the causes anyway They're just there as like puppets. They're just there for public relations. But weirdly enough, they are a public relations disaster. <laughs> so it's a strange, I don't, I don't know what's in the psyche of a person that says, yes, I'm willing to step up and take all this flack knowing that I can't really cause anything and that I am just there for, it's a strange psyche to be in, to be like that. I personally think the world would be a lot better if we just sorted out our own houses. If we got our own house in order, our own street in order, and then maybe expand to our own community and go that way, I think the world would be a far better place, as opposed to trying controlling it from the top down. Um, let's, oh, oh I'll, I'll reverse out of the politics area there, reversing out. 
<laughs> reversing out. And on this note, James, thank you so mm. much for today. I really appreciate you. Oh, well, we're ending on politics. No, no, we can't end on politics. No, no, okay. no. Okay, so, no, so no, you end up... <laughs> so it's up to you then. What do you want to end on? Okay. I want to end on, um, what's comedy like in your country? <laughs> I don't think I've we have it. We have, I mean, we have a lot of uh, sense of humor, but uh, funnily, now that you ask, we don't have any like consistent comedy shows or any institutions, you know, that are, wow. um, yes, that that are, you know, show comedy on a regular basis. And yet, wow. and yet, we smile a lot, we laugh a lot, and it's sort of um, intuitive or in the moment, I guess. I mean, of course, yeah. it's not that it's it's unheard of to to have a comedy act, but then it takes a lot of effort. It's not that you have a a platform that's already there, or any support system, wow. or or any audience that follows, you know, this or that. Yeah, is that is that country specific or is that continent specific? That sort of. I mean, I don't know. Situation. I'm not an I'm not an expert on the continent, and I can't speak for right. the continent. You know, I know how it is where where I live. Yeah. Well, I never knew that. So you don't have like comedy clubs? No, no. Once in a while, <sighs> someone will put up a comedy show. Yeah, this one thing I do when when I visit uh, the UK, London. Again, amongst the theatre, and we don't have a lot of uh, platforms. We do have more than we used to right now, but yeah, uh, yeah it takes a lot of effort to wow, build you, these kinds of platforms. That's blown my mind. I honestly thought that that he would have that all around the world. Even in North Korea, there's probably some underground comedy club somewhere. But wow, that, that's um, you've blown my mind. We're going to have to do something about that. So let's build right. more comedy clubs, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be. Yeah, what, what would, what, if you were to do stand-up comedy, what would you, what is the main humour? What would you joke about? Or is that why there is none? Because you don't have particular, no, we, you know, like America, America, it's sort of like, where are you from? What do you do? Blah, blah, blah. What is the main thing in, in Ghana? <sighs> it could be anything. Right. It could be... It could be color, it could be uh, status, it could be politicians, again, it could be um, uh, church figures and clergy, uh, it, it could be anything, but it's just that the humor is more spontaneous in general. Yeah. It's more spontaneous, okay. uh, born of the moment, born of a specific connection. Wow. That's just, you've you've actually blown a hole in my mind. That's that's incredible. I didn't know that that was a a thing. Wow, fantastic! There you go. Not on politics. That's good. <laughs> Thank you so much, James, and all the best. Are you welcome. Talk soon. Uh, yeah. Au revoir. <laughs>